0: You're listening to the St. John's Dumming Creek Podcast.
1: This episode presented by Youth and Young Adults Minister, Kirk McKenzie. Um, Tonight's Bible reading is from Psalm 27 and can be found on page 443 of the Bibles. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. For in the day of my trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surrounded me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or or forsake me, God my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. False witnesses rise up against me spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord.
0: Thank you, Bronwyn. Uh, okay, so this is our last in the teaching series that we've titled In the Valley. It's been about emotions, in particular Valley emotions, the sort of emotions we feel when we're down, uh, when things are a bit dark. It's been a good series, yeah? Like, kind of been an important series, actually. Uh, and a lot of people have been mentioning that it's been a timely series in the sense that each week seems to have connected with us as a church or with people personally. Uh, at a good time. You know, each topic, each emotion we've looked at has come at a good time. Uh, we we're even talking about this in our little briefing we had before the service at a good time for people in their lives. And that's certainly been the case for me. So when Tim uh, preached on the topic of grief, uh, that was uh, just days after a friend of mine and many of you, yours had died. Uh, when Tim uh, preached on the topic of despair and depression, Uh, A lot of us had just got back from Camp Crave where we talked about the importance of creating space in our life in a world where technology and distraction and um, busyness was crowding things out and creating a lot of depression and anxiety in the life, particularly of young people. Um, When I preached on the topic of fear, uh, I was right in the midst of some big health challenges, Uh, And thank you to those who have been very um, encouraging to me and praying for me uh, and have been very patient with me as I haven't been as good at my job in that time and um, haven't replied to some of your emails still uh, during that time. A little update I'm doing a bit better. I've still got quite a way to go, um, but better than I was when I was preaching that talk. Um, So that was was a timely thing for me to be speaking on. When Tim preached on the topic of anger, um, somebody had parked in front of our wheelie bins that week and they hadn't been collected. And when Julie preached on the topic of guilt, uh, I was away that week and so felt like a bad Christian for not going to church. So, you know, it's been really timely. uh, And then, of course, uh, today's topic is the topic of hope. And uh, there were a lot less old people at church this morning because of what's going on. And so, again, it's a timely thing uh, that... Uh, We're talking about hope. It's just, it's worked out really well uh, in the sense that there's a serious thing going on in our society, there are, in our world, there always is, but this is one that's just really getting our attention. And so the topic of hope uh, seems to be a timely one as well. Now, if we're thinking about hope, you know, what would people generally think hope is? You know, if we're just sort of talking to the average person out in the street, we'd probably come up with a simple definition like this. Hope is a state of mind that believes something good might happen. For example, maybe my football team will win the grand final this year. Or a state of mind that believes something bad might not happen. Uh, I hope I don't get coronavirus. Okay, So, so sort of simple stuff like that, and they can be good hopes to have. In fact, I would say I have both, hopes, both those hopes this year. I do hope my football team will win the grand final, and I do hope I won't get the virus. Um, uh, but what happens is we often then go, well, we want, need to put our hope in something. You know, it's a future thing. We're hoping that the situation that we're in now will be better in the future, will be different. There's going to be some changes that happen that make it a better situation. That's why we, it's actually a valley emotion you know, because we might be in a dark spot, we might be in a challenging situation, and so we have hope that we'll get out of the valley. So we put our hope in things. A classic hope that we put our... Um, a place that we put our hope in is politics. Whenever there's a problem with young people, you know, when teenagers are acting up, you know, when you guys are behaving badly, what do people say on talkback radio? Who needs to fix it? It's the politicians. The politicians need to make a change. And so we turn to politics to fix a lot of the world's problems. And so politicians catch on to this. So Barack Obama, when he was campaigning to be president, he used the word hope a fair bit. You might even remember this poster. And why not? Hope's a positive word. It indicates that something's going to be better in the future. And look, look, I don't know a lot about America, but I'm guessing some things did get better when he became president. I'm also guessing not everything got better, that there's still plenty of problems in that country because he's just a normal person like you and me. We can't put all of our hopes in him. He's capable of some good. He's capable of not everything. At around about about the same time, Kevin Rudd became Prime Minister here in Australia. And I have a clear memory of sitting around in my lounge room talking with some friends. Soon after, uh, Kevin Rudd had done a bunch of good things. He'd done the apology to the stolen generation. He'd made some changes around education and broadband. And he was basically doing everything he'd said he was going to do. And we were kind of feeling kind of inspired about it all for the first time ever about Australian politicians. go, oh, this is good, like feeling kind of hopeful about Australian politics. We put our hope in this guy and it's kind of paying off. And he did some good stuff. And then it kind of fell apart not long after. Again, because he's like you and me. He's human, capable of good, and capable of stuffing up. If we put our hope in people then people are ultimately not completely reliable. Sometimes it's going to go all right, but sometimes it's not. If we put our hope in a system, a political system or some sort of other system that we've got going on in our society, sometimes it's going to go all right, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just going to be wishful thinking. If we put our hope in gathering enough rolls of toilet paper in our homes that we're going to somehow survive the corona apocalypse i got news for you, that's, like, that's not enough. Like, that, that's, a, that's wishful thinking. And that, this is actually stood out to me. Like, it's been an interesting experience, right? Because when I first started thinking and sort of preparing mentally for, for this talk, coronavirus was sort of a thing that was happening overseas that was like, maybe we'll have to think about that in a few months' time. And even when we, on Wednesdays we do a bit of a preaching run-through And even on Wednesday, it wasn't a super big deal in Australia. Like, it was like, oh, there's a few cases and so on. And then Thursday, it sort of ramped up. And on Friday, Tim's calling me on his day off, and it's really cranking, and we're we're making some changes. We actually had a Sunday at 6 core team meeting on Thursday. We made a bunch of decisions, which we then had to change on Friday because of all these things that had happened in the 12 hours after. So it really ramped up quickly. So I haven't had a lot of time to sort of Process all that in light of, you know, tonight's topic and so on. But one thing has really stood out. This is not an in depth coronavirus talk, but one thing has stood out. If our main hope in life is I hope I don't get sick, or I hope I can just keep my comfortable middle class Aussie life rolling on as it is, just we need something better than that. That's, that's not enough for real life. You know, when, and what I think is happening is we're being faced with something not comfortable happening, which is unusual in our part of the world, but very normal for the vast majority of the human race. And we're actually going, you know, the things I normally put my hope in, they're not up to it. They're, they're not necessarily bad, but they're, they're not up to putting my ultimate hope in. And so that's why it's great to be a Christian because as a Christian we do have something that we can put our ultimate hope in and that our definition of hope when we put our hope in God is better than putting our hope in other things. And so instead of like something good might happen, we actually can believe that something good will happen. We can believe this because of who God is and what he has done. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Last week we got back from Camp Crave, our youth camp, and that's up in the Cathedral, well, just next to the Cathedral Ranges in eastern Victoria. And it's a pretty rocky mountain range. So if you go for a walk in the Cathedral Ranges, it won't be long before you come across a big old rock. Like, you know, one of those real big ones, like a boulder. You know, one of those ones where you could get everyone on camp to link hands. I think we're not supposed to do that anymore. To stand almost touching, uh, and stand around the rock, and you wouldn't be able to get all the way around, like it's that big. You could get everyone in camp to push that rock with all of their strength, and you wouldn't move it one millimetre, because it's a big old rock. It's been there for thousands of years before you got there. It's going to be there for thousands of years later. You can't move it. You can't change it. It's just there. It's solid as, it's a solid as big old rock. And you know what one of the best images that the Bible uses for God in the bot uh, is a big old rock a big immovable rock rock solid God that he is the same now as he was at, when he created absolutely everything and that because of his unchangeable nature because of how solid he is and you know he's not like me who is sort of so changeable and you know my mood changes with how hungry i am and what the weather's like and you know, how stiff my neck is or whatever. Like, God is like the same all the time. He is the one we can put ultimate hope in. And so when we come to our psalm today, each each week in this series we've looked at a psalm, which is a song in the Old Testament that expresses the emotion we're looking at. We can see that David, who wrote this psalm, certainly seems to think of God as being solid as a rock. As more reliable than anything else. For, uh, David is the, one of the early kings of Israel, God's nation, and he certainly experienced what it's like to live life in the valley. He certainly had a bunch of challenges in his life. In particular, you might have picked up a bit of a theme of being under attack by an enemy military. That's certainly something he's experienced, um, and he talks about it a little bit in this particular song. Now, the first six verses of this one, he talks about his relationship with God and it seems that his relationship with God brings him confidence and a sense of safety. That's despite the bad circumstances that he finds himself in, despite the valley that he seems to be walking through, uh, he's got a lot of confidence about the future. Something good will happen. And then in verses 7 to 12, he directs his words Um, personally to God. So he speaks directly to God, which is a privilege that we actually have, that God's happy and, and welcomes us doing that. And we can see that he has a desire to stay in that relationship with God, something that he wants to keep doing, he wants to keep engaging with. He's not just doing it because, well, he's the king of God's nation, so it's part of my job, I better do it. He's not just wanting to be in relationship with God because well, if God exists, i better do it, just in case he gets angry that I didn't. He says in verse 8, have a look at verse 8 of Psalm 27, my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. His heart, his, his deep desire is to be seeking God. He wants to do it. And he sees that God is more reliable than other people, including his own parents. Got a lot of trust in God, and then in verse thirteen and fourteen, uh, he indicates that he's got a lot of hope for the future. It's kind of summary verses, but also he's prepared to wait for it. He has patience. Verse fourteen, he uses the word wait twice. Um, it's kind of an encouragement to us, the the reader or the listeners of the song. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, or some of it. Some translations would say, be strong and take hope, and wait for the Lord. Now, he's writing all this before Jesus. Hundreds of years before Jesus arrived. Now, David would have had some idea that someone like Jesus was coming, that God was going to send someone really important to do some great work, uh, but he never met Jesus. We have the benefit of the fact that Jesus really came, real historical person, did some incredible things, uh, and So we've got that sort of echoing throughout history and we've got the benefit of all that has happened in our history and also a bunch of it's written down for us in the New Testament. And so what we see is that Jesus brought hope to the world, to many, many people. He did it in his life, the way he lived and the words that he said. He did it in his life in the sense that he went to the people who, had no, who seemed to have hopeless life. The people who've been kicked to the side by the rest of society, the people who were sick, uh, the people who were discarded, the people who were considered scum, people who could just sit crime, you know, criminals who weren't worth um, engaging with. Jesus engaged all those people, did miracles in their lives, showed them love, showed them kindness, showed them friendship, brought hope into their lives, and spoke about it to everyone, spoke about, uh, spoke this message of hope and peace to everyone. He brought hope to the world through his death by dealing with the problem of human sin and evil, taking all the consequences of our sin, the spiritual consequences um, in particular, you know, the damage it does to our relationship with each other and in particular our relationship with God. He took that on himself uh, and he killed it when he died on the cross so that now we don't have to be separated from God, we have access to a relationship with God because of what Jesus achieved in his death on the cross and then he rose from the dead so that not only do we have hope for a relationship with God now in this life but also after we die a key book christian belief is that this is not the end that the end of this life is not the end of our existence that we will have the um, eternity with God that life will go on we don't know exactly how that's going to work you know we don't have all the details of it we use phrases like we're going to be with God in heaven or we're going to be with Jesus to try and capture it and some illustrators have sort of given us some some, uh, ways that they think about it but we know that this life is not the end we have eternal hope because of what Jesus did in the resurrection and then he didn't have to do this but because he loves us and because he's so generous he sent the Holy Spirit to live in everyone who puts their trust in Jesus to remind us of God's goodness, to remind us of the hope that we have in Jesus, so that you and I can actually um, receive God's hope daily um, to be people of hope and to share it with other people. So Jesus did all this when he came to earth approximately 2,000 years ago. We didn't exactly get rid of all the problems, right? Like problems of the world didn't go away, they're still around. So that leaves the question, well, what's what's the deal with Christian hope then? We have this hope, amazing things that Jesus did, uh, but how does it work in a world that's still got all those problems and all the consequences of evil and so on? How do we make sense of that and how do we live in a world where we want to have hope, but we also have to deal with the fact that sometimes things seem to be hopeless or certainly seem to be pretty crap. I got introduced to like a graph, like a theological graph, which I found helpful. This is, I got introduced to this in my early 20s. Um, maybe this will be helpful for you in, in getting your head around it. That bottom line there represents the present age. That sort of dates back to the beginning of people through to now. Uh, and that's where... The consequences of evil are still present. All the problems that we know now, they're happening in the world. And then into that age comes Jesus. Uh, His life, his death, his resurrection, he sends a spirit and he brings this whole new level of hope. There was already hope for God's people before then, but Jesus is sort of, you know, he's the pinnacle of hope. He's bringing all this amazing stuff. And he initiates this idea of the age to come, which is that top line going across. Now, the age to come is ultimately about evil being completely removed from existence. There's no more suffering, there's no more pain, there's no more sin, there's no more people treating each other badly. Um, All that's done and the Bible presents us with this future vision, which we haven't arrived at yet, of a world renewed where Jesus comes back and all the problems that we experience in this life are gone. We don't have a lot of detail on it. We don't know when it'll happen. Could be tomorrow, could be next year, could be in 10,000 years. We don't know technically how it's going to work, how long that process is going to take, but that's the promise that Jesus gave us. That's going to happen. So we've got this future thing happening yet, but it hasn't happened yet, but Jesus has begun the process through his life, death and resurrection. So we're living in the now and not yet, where we experience the age to come, but it hasn't completely arrived. We can see glimpses of it in our own life. God heals people. Uh, God's given us his word. We can see people act in amazing ways of love and kindness and grace towards each other. We can see God's glory in incredible ways. We can see God's miracles and his power in amazing ways. But we still have the problem of evil and the problem of suffering in our life. And so we've got to live in the now and the not yet until Jesus returns. And that's the challenge of Christian hope. It's a good challenge, right? Because we have hope now and we have hope for the future. They're both positive things. They're both good to have. Um, But we've got to make sure we don't just have one or the other. Now, if you think about it, if you only have hope for the future, that could become problematic. You go, all I hope for is Going to heaven after I die. I've got no hope for now. What are you going to do? Build a wall, bunker down, block out the rest of the world. Some cults do this, you know, where they sort of block out everyone else and just sort of hide away from the world and just don't engage. Well, Jesus didn't do that, but occasionally people think that's the right way to go. But that's forgetting that we have hope now that God's at work now, that he's given us the spirit of Jesus now, that we can make a difference in the world now. But likewise, if you're just obsessed with now and you don't remind yourself that we have a future hope, then you're probably going to get disappointed. Let's think about the issues that you want to change in the world, like poverty, You know, people living in terrible poverty around the world. Some people's life sucks because of their circumstances. We should want to change that people just are in shocking situations. And so of course we should want to do everything we can to change that. And when we do make a change and people get out of poverty, they're going to be really grateful and they're going to love it. But poverty is not going to be completely gone until Jesus comes back because we're in the now and the not yet. So if your aim is to completely eradicate poverty before you die, it's probably not going to happen. We've got to have that realism about our aims in life. It's a challenge. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a simple thing. It's something that you've got to grapple with. It's something that you're going to find upsetting at times. It's going to be emotionally difficult. Hope is not always something that's just going to make you feel great. Sometimes it's something you're going to have to wait for, it's going to have to have patience. Patience is not always easy. Usually it's worth it though, right? So that's the challenge of Christian hope. It's a good thing now. It's a good thing in the future. Sometimes it requires patience. We name the series In the Valley and that's a little bit based on some language we find in Psalm 23, which is also written by David. And... Uh, you know David, an emotional guy, um, and Psalm 23 really picks up on plenty of emotion and we really do get a sense that God is his rock and that God is the one who is with him through the highs and the lows of life. And so I thought to finish tonight's talk and to finish off the series generally, I'd just read Psalm 23 slowly as a prayer. Um, so I invite you to close your eyes as I do that. Um, and speak to God and just tell him about how you're feeling. Uh, Take this opportunity to speak with God who loves you and who wants you to have hope now and for the future. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au.